Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences. Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode. I am really excited for you to meet my good friend, Jed Chang. Uh, I always say that Jed ends up being everybody's event best friend that they never knew they needed. And I hope by the end of this episode, uh, Jed will become your new event best friend. Uh, Jed Chang is a professional people person is what he calls himself. And I think that couldn't be more apt. He is an expert at delivering excellent attendee experiences and thinking always through the attendees minds and eyes and ears and experiences. Uh, Jed Chang and his wife, Michelle have been digital nomads since before it was cool. I think back in 2011, maybe it was cool before then, but he's, uh, a legit nomad and he has a diverse background uh, of experience but all kind of rooted in serving communities of all shapes and forms and so I think that's part of what uh, gives him a lot of expertise so let's give a warm welcome to Jed Chang. Hi Jed how are you? Hi hey Isaac hi Nessa it's good to be here thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're really excited to have you. Like we've both known you for a while now. I I know Isaac much longer than I have, but we both think you're fantastic. So we're glad that you're here. Um, So I just want to get started then. Uh, I want to know from you, what do you enjoy about being in the event industry? Why do you like working in it? Yeah, well, you know, I think events are necessary. I I can't tell you how much like I've thought about that recently, especially coming out of the pandemic, right? Because we in the event industry, like we bring people together, um, like in person to have a collective experience. And I know we kind of were doing that on zoom and there, there are things like that, that, you know, that there's zoom tends to lend like an awesome opportunity for a global audience to participate in something collective, but there is something magical, right? When you get people together, for something. And I don't care if it's a concert or a corporate event or an expo, there's just something magical about having people be in the same place, um, having the same experience. And so for me, that's what I love about it. The energy, the feeling, just seeing people together. Um, and then having in a magical experience is even better, right? So if it's something like, uh, an awesome concert or festival, um, even a food experience, you know, I went to a motorcycle expo recently. I thought that was neat. So just, just seeing people like, experience something fun and transformative and community. I think like, it's really neat to see people being, uh, have a shared interest in, in building community too. So yeah, that's, that's why I love being a part of that. Um, and then the other thing, Isaac, I just want to say real fast because this pertains to you is I love working in the industry because you get to meet awesome people and work with awesome people. And you're just like amazed at what folks can do in this industry, right? Like I have no um, interest or technical expertise in like production or design or certain elements. And so when I get to work with amazing people um, who are just experts in their field, right, you're just like 
blown away at the things they can do, like to transform a space or to like create cool, like um, awesome experiences for people. And so for me, it's just like when you get to work on a team like that with amazing, awesome folks, I think I've said amazing and awesome like 10 times, but it truly is a, it just a, it's a unique experience. It's something that not too many people get to do. But it's just like you get to be a part of an all-star group. And so that's that's something that's like just honoring all the time. Like I just feel like so honored to be a part of something like that. So yeah. That's, that's so true. I I agree wholeheartedly. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about the that that je ne sais quoi about in-person events, right? Like there's something different that online events haven't yet been able to replicate. And I don't know that they can truly because in-person events are this multi-sensory experience and you are you here you are in a space um you are are kind of surrendering yourself to what's around you you are hearing snippets of conversations from neighboring groups you're like people are coming and going it's just there's so much more to that experience than participating in something through a screen and you know maybe something that's kind of narcissistic no not narcissistic but like i don't know if that's the right word but something that's really like i don't know if it's like a a little evil thing is that like there's high stakes in events and risky like gambling like i don't know if you guys feel that way too but you have to like events and you gotta have to like a little bit of a danger because Uh you know that there's like so many things that could go wrong and maybe it's maybe it's like you're you love to play the game a little bit or something, but you just know that there's so much high stakes involved in events. Um, and there's a lot of people who tend to avoid that. They don't want to like get involved in something that like all the things could go wrong, you know, like and things that are out of your control. And I think event people, they're kind of like, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice a little bit like I'm. You know, there's a chance it could go wrong, but there's also a chance it's going to be epic and it's worth that effort. And I think event people get that. And so that's kind of fun to be in that. And I kind of like that personally. I don't know if you two feel that way, but. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, I've never put it in those kinds of words, but there is like that risk element that like you're pushing boundaries and you're testing and you're kind of. like it could all fall flat. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't. And usually it doesn't, but it could. And that kind of, that puts this kind of urgency and, uh, investment into what you're doing in a way that, um, like you, you it's really, it, it never really works to play it safe, I think. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that's the people and that's what draws me to the people back again. You know, it's like, I think certain everybody I've worked with in the industry that I like working with, they don't want to play it safe. Like they really do want to, they, they know that like to create a really good experience, it's going to take some rest. There's going to take some like unknowns and it's okay. But having the right people, um, is part of that. And then I guess the camaraderie, you know, like mm-hmm. Isaac, I met you, but then I met Nessa through, you, you know, it's like, so it's just really neat. Like, cause I feel like if, if I worked together with you and then we have something we want to work on together, just the introductions that happen too. it's such a networking um, camaraderie of a community for the events world. Like we need each other. We know we can't do an event on our own. And so I think that that's a really special thing too, is we really rely upon each other. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I want to dig in a little bit to what that, what makes that magic. And so you and I met, um, I, I don't know how many years ago it was. I probably should have done my research. Um, but we started work, uh, we were working on the world domination summit team together, uh, WDS for short. And we also worked on pioneer nation and we've worked on a couple of other events since then. Your role when uh, when you got uh, into the team and joined us was as attendee concierge, and that's kind of this role that you've embodied through whatever you do. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and that role that you played and how that contributes to an attendee, a good attendee experience. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And by the way, we met in like 2015 or 20, I should is. say 20. Yeah. 2014, I was a volunteer, and in 2015, I was brought into the team. Okay. So, man, it's been almost 10 years, Isaac. Um, <laughs> and you still look the same, so hats, kudos <laughs> to you. Um, but, you know, I, I was brought on I as a volunteer, to be honest with you. My wife, Michelle, my partner, she said, hey, you should check out this event. And to be honest with you, I did not want to. Um, it's It's not that I don't love events. It's just that I was just like, I don't know what this is and, and anything. And so she was just like, let's just volunteer, right? And so that's how I got connected to it. And, and you know, volunteering is a great way to get in the events industry because you don't, it's just low stakes. You're just there to like sort of participate and take it all in. So that was awesome for me um, because I got to kind of experience it both as an attendee and as someone who's helping put on the event itself. So I think volunteering was awesome. And then from there, you know, I think if you want to be connected to a team and want to sort of like get, be a part of something, just be a volunteer who's ready to help, right? Like ready to do whatever. And so I just remember like Michelle Jones and some other core team members were like, Hey, we need someone to do this. And I feel like my hand was always like, yeah, put me in wherever you need me. Um, I have learned recently that I am like, an Enneagram too. I don't know if anybody knows the uh, Enneagram same. out there, but <laughs> no, I'm not familiar. No. <laughs> well, it's a personality thing. And, and basically my title for that is like the helper or yeah. the giver. And so it just makes so much sense that then like, uh, somebody on the core team is like, Oh, we should have Jed, you know, like do things directly with attendees. And so that just kind of lend itself to like, Oh, first Jed's going to help with communication, um, because I said I was interested in those things. I wanted to make sure that people knew like where to go, what to do, that sort of stuff. And then it became about like the programming aspect, like what are attendees going to experience? And I was just very like passionate about that. Like, I just wanted to know, like, how can we make that better? So people are leaving me like, Oh, that was a really good experience. So that's how I joined the team, um, for the world domination summit WDS and where I met you, Isaac. And I was just blown away again of like all the amazing people that were doing really cool experiences, whether it was the main stage. Um, I think that year we did like the Portland experience, which is like a mini festival for like one day where we brought in tons of vendors for at like an expo where our attendees could just experience things. But somebody was coordinating that, you know, we had one person coordinating like all the transportation. So it was just really cool to be a part of that and see how like, everyone was working together for the attendee experience. Um, but I do remember Isaac very clearly that when I started writing like the communications, I was like, so what are you guys telling people like where to go, what to do? Just really basic stuff. And people are like, I don't know. We, we kind of just every now and then, like we, we send them an email and, and certain things. I was like, Oh, is there like steps, a checklist, you know, anything that like people can, you know, how do people know this stuff? And, and just wasn't a part of, 
the thing in back then. And that's something that I, I feel like I was helping to create um, over the years to make sure attendees just knew simple things. You know? Yeah. And I, yeah. seeing you um, develop that communication sequence, so kind of for me, it became like our gold standard is as my company grew and we started to take on more and more client work, um, a, it became so obvious to me that so many people leave attendee communications to the wayside. Um, I, I just recently attended a conference where like the only email I got was like three days before the event. And I was like, <laughs> you need something before that. Um, so I really appreciate the effort that you put into that. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, I, I'm curious to hear, because like your role when it came to the day of the event was really front lines. Like you were out in the mm. lobby, you were leading the team that was uh, helping answer questions. And um, I think you were also managing registration, or at least at some point you were. Um, what it... As, as somebody who came up in the backstage side of things, back of house, um, what what are those key things that really make that front-end attendee experience awesome? Yeah, that's a really good question because I would ask you the same thing about the back of house. Like, I want to know <laughs> everything that happens back there because I was never back this there. This is my podcast, um, of course. <laughs> that's true. Um, so the front of house, which is... Yeah, like you said, the direct attendee experience, it, it starts even when with registration, right? Like having great information. So it starts even with sales or the registration process. Um, so I think having someone on your team that knows all of those things from the very beginning before someone even registers, because you you have to communicate like what the event's about, what they'll expect, what they'll be doing, right? Like the value proposition to actually make that sale and that registration sign up. Um, and then it continues on with, what information are they receiving once they do, once they are registered, right? Like, uh, making sure that they know about like the, the hotel, um, you know, like partnerships that we have or, uh, making sure that they know like on day of arrival, how do they get their name badge? Where do they go from there? The schedule. Um, so I just think there are a lot of pieces and I think we make a mistake think, thinking that we have to announce everything all at once. Um, I think you, or you even have to plan all that all of it all at once before you even go live. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as like give attendees necessary information, but you can be vague about it. You can be flexible. I think it's actually worse to communicate something that says, well, this is going to happen on this day and this time. And then you totally change it on them like last minute, um, which is something I learned at WDS. You know, we never communicated the main stage speakers because lo and behold, life happens you know, and somebody has to make a change. And then also attendees would sometimes choose to attend whether or not that speaker was at that specific time. And, and that's not like, you kind of have to trust us as event organizers that we know mm -hmm. we're going to do something great. And we want you to show up because of that, not because just one person was there at one specific time. Um, you know, so it just, it's just thinking good, like through the attendee communication, making sure that, uh, you know, like you're giving it, like I said, everybody the necessary things. Um, and then I think it's important that you allow yourself to be accessible. I think some things that people don't often do is they'll have, they'll say, Oh, if you need help, contact us. Right. And I actually find it to be a joy when the attendees contact us because it's a touch point. It's a way that you as the uh, event organizer can actually interact with the actual attendee who's coming. And so this is a chance for you to represent your organization, right? So a chance for them to feel like, oh, their needs are taken care of or, oh, you're getting them excited to come. 
Um, so I felt like the more that we could do that in a real, in an engagement way, I mean, if you looked at my email history for WDS, I was emailing with people so many times before they even arrived. And so I would know people's names and I would take notes like on, you know, what they needed, what they asked about. Um, so that way when they arrived, they felt like they had somebody already that they made contact with. Um, and those are just those little things that I think like really sets any experience apart because WDS was what Isaac, a thousand people. Yeah. And so it's intimidating. So to know that you had one person and you know that person's name and that, you know, like I just felt like attendees could do that with me. And I feel like when they left, they're like, oh, at least I know Jed is going to be there. And if I need anything, I can go to Jed. And people had said that to me all the time. And, and that's what I really wanted. So, um, so that's how we handled sort of front of house. I mean, there's a lot of other little technical sure. things, but it, it was just important to like have people have a human connection from the very beginning to the very end. And that, that human connection, that is what people will remember. Like, I'm sure there's people that still remember you and how you helped them and how you made them feel, you know, comfortable and welcome. So it definitely, it, it plays a huge part. And, and being front of house, that's usually the first person that, you know, receives people as they arrive to the event. Um, so related to that, I wanted to ask, uh, in terms of attending experience, though, now that you've worked at so many more events, uh, what patterns do you see uh, um, in mistakes? Like, what are the common mistakes that are being made in attending experience that you find that people just keep repeating? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, it's interesting. We all, every single one of us interacts with customer service in some sort of way, right? On a daily basis. And so I feel like there's just really common things that in those kind of pain points that we've experienced with bad customer service that I don't know why we keep doing in the event industry, right? <laughs> right. Um, like poor, like how many times do any of us hate when, you know, you work with someone in service industry and they say, oh, you actually need to do this. Um, and you're like, but you didn't tell me that I, you know, like, just tell me what I need to bring documents or, or like, what, what are the things that I needed for this particular thing? Just communicate that to me. So I think something as basic as that. Um, I think the other thing that event organizers sometimes, uh, do mistakenly is they treat their attendees like numbers and not as human beings. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get through our emails as quickly as possible. Let's send them canned responses, Um, you know, like, so if somebody has a a human problem and you, you're just trying to get through your inbox and you just reply something really quickly, that's maybe answers their question, but was like really snippety and like not thinking or listening to them or making someone feel heard, then attendees are going to feel that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just like, uh, uh, speaking of emails, I'm a huge proponent of the email support uh, like helping people through email versus text messages and phone calls. Um, Tell us and more this about is, that. Yes, this is a this is a tip here, uh, a little <laughs> a little event hack, if you will. Um, I have found that when you get an email, like if you send if an inquiry to somebody, and if they get back to you within one or two days, that's usually acceptable or pretty good. Um, if you if someone gets back to you in a week, you're like. Oh, that took them a long time, but one, you know, 24 to 48 hours is pretty good. If you have on your website though, for an event that, Hey, chat is available. You know, some people do that, like talk with us now or give us a phone call. That person is going to expect an answer right then. Like they want you to solve their problem right now. 
but the email, like you, you have, you just giving yourself a lot more time. You can say things like, Oh, you know, I'll look into this. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. But, and so people will understand that's true. They're going to look into it. Some way responded. They're getting back to me. But if you are on a phone call, if you're in a text message, they want that incredibly challenging problem to be resolved in like a really short time frame. Mm-hmm. So that puts a lot of pressure on you. That puts a lot of pressure on them. And I don't know why people do the chat, you know, the text messaging or the phone call support services. It usually is a bad experience for everybody. Um, so I really find that email is the best. And one thing we used to do, Isaac, I don't know if you knew this on the world domination website. Um, we had a chat bot built into our website mm-hmm. and it says like, Oh, speak to somebody. So somebody thought they were going to click chat, but here's the kicker. We would never man it live. It always says like, Oh, someone's not available, but send us a message anyways. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Oh, and good. people, people use that way more often than our contact form. Oh, wow. Like, cause they, they just know they see a chat thing, they click on it. And then they were like, well, I'm going to send my question anyways. So that was way more effective for attendee behavior. Um, and it was crazy. We, we use that all the time. Um, so anyways, it's, it's just really, I think it's really important to make sure that you treat humans as humans um, and not forget, you know, I just, I really don't like when people treat you as a number or commodity. We see that in the U S healthcare industry. We see that when we talk to somebody on the phone to like settle our bank things, right. Or our phone service. So I think if you can level up your experience from there, your attendees are going to have a good experience because they're going to be like, Oh, wow. They really see me and value me as a human being. So So I'm hearing communications and, and I would love, um, I would love people to take that away that attendee communications are so, so important up front, set expectations, communicate information, help them engage things. And then treating them as humans from a customer support standpoint. Like I, I feel like you could ask any person to provide the like standard customer support script that companies use, right? Like I understand that you are having blank (laughs) issue. Rest assured, I will, you know, resolve this for you today, right? Like that kind of scripty language is so transparent and so easy for people to identify that this is our, our opportunity to be human with them, to not use canned responses in the same way, to treat them like an individual and to treat them like a priority because they are, because with, if you don't have attendees, you don't have an event. Say it. Yes. <laughs> and, well, and, and on the, on the act, let's continue on this human front because not just in terms of communication, like mm-hmm. emails, that's obviously digital, right? But like in person, the, the idea of the attendee experience on just a human level, I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to events and I'm asking, where are the bathrooms or how are people going to get right. food? Or did you provide breaks in your schedule to make sure that like, yeah, you have a main stage, but like people, if, if they're thinking about food and bathroom, they're not thinking about what's happening on the main stage mm-hmm. they're getting pissed because biologically, like, so it, it's something that like, we just think, oh, no, it's intuitive, you know, but we kind of forget about that as event organizers to really think about just very basic things. Like it's kind of like the need to breathe. You don't really think about it until you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same way we should kind of approach that from like the human experience for attendees. Um, if you know, weather related stuff, does your, does your event have like 
unforeseeable weather things like what's your plan in case it's really really hot or really cold or wet um and i guess the other thing that really would make events stand out more too is if things like inclusivity and ada and you know lots of those things were were part of an actual plan and not Mm -hmm. something that you have to do because an attendee has acknowledged to you that they you know have a special need or requirement Mm -hmm. Um, it just should be something that's part of your, your planning from the get go. Right. And those are, that's a good way to set a mind frame of like, Oh, what are our human needs and how can we make sure we take care of people? Not just like as an afterthought or as an emergency response. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's a perfect segue into, um, a, a concept that I feel like you've embodied in the times that I've known working with you and you've carried this forward into your work. Uh, more recently, which is this notion of surprise and delight. And I don't know what the origin of surprise and delight came from. It's not a new thing, um, <clears throat> but it, it became for, for us when we were on the World Domination Summit team, it became kind of our, our motto for how we approach the attendee experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that what surprise and delight means to you uh, in the context of delivering an excellent uh, attendee experience? And I have a story that I want to tell about something that I saw, but I want you to explain it first. Oh, I'm excited for that. (laughs) Um, Well, I can't, I definitely can't claim surprise and delight. Um, I think surprise and delight at its heart is like, obviously doing something that's unexpected and something that leaves somebody with a feeling of joy or appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. So anything you can do um, that does those things, doing the unexpected and leaving somebody with a good feeling, I think is, is maybe at the heart of that. And I think there's some core values attached to that things. Like one of the things that I really care about, my partner does too, is the word intentional. Mm -hmm. So like really thinking about the choices and decisions you make and the actions you do in a way that is, is going to be surprising. And, you know, and like I said, bringing joy to somebody, because again, it doesn't have to be big things. So I guess, I guess the way I can describe it at WDS that I loved is on a macro scale, right? On a, like a huge scale, it could be this like great reveal where attendees didn't know we had this huge plan, like a magician does. And they're like, surprise. And you're like, holy cow, we transformed this space into like a magical Disneyland, but you, it was right in front of your eyes and you didn't know it. So that could be an element of surprise and delight, but it could be as simple as following up with somebody. I cannot tell you how many times like I've heard people tell me they appreciated me or somebody on our team following up with them. So if they had a concern or they reached out to us about something, we made if you could follow up with them, it just made their day. Like they were surprised that someone was listening to them and got back to them. And then like they left feeling like, whoa, like that they went above and beyond. Like they were delighted by that. Um so I think, again, it could just be something as small as that and something as big as that and everything in between. But I think when you create a culture of that um, and, and you get everybody on board, especially, and I think that's something that I thought was really cool at WDS is we had like, whether it was the core team or whether it was volunteers, we tried to provide, we try to instill that in everybody that try to find ways that you can do surprise and delight. Um, and it just made it an enjoyable experience for everybody the attendees, the, uh, the producers, et cetera. 
Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was kind of cool. And, so and I think- uh, ultimately, part of what, what delights people, surprises them, is like, oh, you actually see me. Like, I, I'm not just the number. Like, there is a, a, a back and forth that's happening here. So I, I think that that's really interesting. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Nessa, oh, <laughs> mind is blown. Like... <laughs> And I know this is a podcast, so my hands are literally like, I'm just like, you know, do the snaps thing. But yes, I I think that's at the heart of it, right? A good attendee experience is making sure that all attendees are are, uh, seen and heard and and felt valued. Whether they, whether you are VIP, because I've worked at events where I was working with celebrities and helping them with their travel logistics. So VIPs, right? And I've worked with people who are full paid attendees who don't get the cool experience because they didn't pay the full price or whatever, right? Or like the special price. And it doesn't matter. I think like the best producers, event people that I've worked with, they see all human beings as human beings, uh, regardless of the price, regardless of their titles, whatever it may be. And they treat people as such and they leave feeling that they were seen. Um, and and if that is not part of what your event's about or whatever, then I don't think it's going to be a good attending experience. I just don't see how that's possible. Um, or you failed. I think, and you know, so that might be a tough like thing to say, but Nessa, I think you're, you're hitting it though. Like events, you can be lost in a crowd of like tens of thousands of people, but I think there's something about, you know, oh, I felt like these are my people. I feel seen. I feel like I can be comfortable. Um, so I think you're 100% spot on with that. I really like that. And I'll just, oh, I'm going to be taking that with me as I, you know, keep doing a bit more. So. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I, <laughs> it just occurred to me because I kept like hearing this like, wait, yeah, that's, and that makes sense, right? Like ultimately we, we, we're in a community, we go to events, that's what we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the flip side of that though, I, I, I want to ask you, because it, it doesn't just make the attendee experience better, but I feel like on the team side, it, putting that work in, it makes the work easier and better for us. So can, can you speak to, to that uh, on how it helps, how, how, how paying attention to attendee experience actually makes the job easier for the team behind the event? Yeah, well, I would say that uh, focusing on the attendee experience, you're fo- if you can focus on pain points, right, then you can catch those things instead of like having to put out, as we call it, putting out fires like later on. So it's just like doing a lot of preemptive work. Um, I think really good events and good event producers do that. They like think of all the crit- like all the possibilities and all the worst things that could happen. They also rationalize that like yeah, the, a meteorite could happen, but let's be honest, it's probably not going to happen. But like we just have to be understanding like what could that mean for this event, right? So I think like having just a really good understanding of attendee experience helps all of our work in that sense. Um, I used to, I used the example of the TSA. Um, I really have a lot of respect for the TSA and I also feel like, man, the TSA, it could be so much better. And some <laughs> airports do a really good job and some yes. airports do it, and some airports do a terrible job. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, LAX, I fly through LAX, uh, you know, several times a year and man, there, the TSA, there was a time when I went through the TSA there and 
the TSA agents are yelling at the customers, the the passengers are yelling back at TSA, and everybody was just having a really crappy experience. Like no one was happy, and I was like, oh my gosh. But then I realized that there was no communication. No one. There's no sign. There's no passive signage that says like what to take out, what to expect,、mm-hmm. what to do. And people are waiting in long lines, right? So you, you could have someone even walking up and down and giving that information ahead of time, prepping people, right? And, and on the flip side, you go to Portland, and I think Portland does a pretty good job with their TSA. I feel like they have good wayfinding signs. They tell people what to expect, what to do before they get to the, you know, taking out their stuff.、Um, but all that to say is like. You have two different groups, right? One TSA group is really upset, hates their job, doesn't want to be there, and the other one is like really proud that how how quickly they move people. And surprise and delight when you go through a quick TSA checkout or check、uh, checkpoint, you're like, that was pretty good. That was that was、mm-hmm. not so bad, right? Yeah. So、mm-hmm. I think the TSA model is a is a good one、uh, as we think about events and like helping our team think about like, oh, what can we do to help attendees. But also, it's going to help us.、Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's kind of hopefully answers your question there. Yeah, I think、uh, I want to bring it back with this example I was thinking about to a micro surprise and delight experience that I witnessed.、Um, you took on、uh, several years ago, and I don't, I I do not recall the. Sp- Specific context around why you did this,、um, but are you ready?、Um, <laughs> uh, there was a point、um, that we found out afterward, after the event was over,、um, that you took it upon yourself to go buy a bottle of wine for I think it was two attendees, a couple. Do you remember this?、Um, and it was it, it became kind of a classic example. It was like it was a twenty dollar discretionary expense. And it was something that just, like, who does that, right? Like, you're going to a conference, and then whatever. I don't remember if they were having trouble checking into the hotel, or if it was like a celebration moment or something. But here, you end up delivering this bottle of wine to them as just like a courtesy thing, and that just like total surprise, total delight. Like, who who would turn that down? <laughs> yeah, I. But you know, Isaac, I feel like. We do this for each other as human beings. Like, yes, you know. So, it, I know it, that's nice that you think that that's like a cool moment and stuff. But people do that for us in each other, or at least we should. We should be doing these kind of things in each other's lives, like often, right? Like,、mm-hmm. it, I didn't create this like model of like someone buying a bottle of wine to like、yeah. welcome or help somebody in a terrible situation. Um, it's because that was modeled to me, right? And I think the golden rule applies: like treat other people the way you want to be treated. I, it's golden for a reason. It's a really good standard, and I, I think yes,、um, me. I think if you just hear that happening, I think like if it's modeled, then it will also happen. And and I don't take full credit for this because at WDS, I thought the core team did a pretty good job of saying. Hey, you know, like we empower you to make decisions to make the attendee experience better, and if you feel like this is going to do that, then go ahead and do it.、Um, I think one example of that for me, and maybe this spurred me on, was I remember、uh, maybe it was an attendee that like something happened to them and they needed like they couldn't get on our mode of transportation, which I think was school buses at the time,、yeah. and we just had to make a split decision of like. Do like they need a taxi? Can we call a taxi for them? 
And it wasn't like I had to go up 10, you know, people up the, the, the chain to get a decision. Mm-hmm. It was like, you no, know, you take care of it. Even pay for it on your own credit card, and you don't even have to worry if we're going to reimburse you or not. We're going to take right. care of that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that to me was really cool, and that helped me in my position because it was nice to know that, again, Isaac, that, you know, like, I had the organization's back to do something like that for an attendee, mm-hmm. um, to use discretion and be like, what would I do in this situation? How can we make it right? Um did we did we do a hundred percent perfect job with that? No, there were times where I mean we could have communicated our policies better, or we could have done something better for somebody. Um, but I do think empowering your organization, or again building that in, like have a discretionary fund for like mm-hmm. attendee gifts um, instead of swag. Like think about personalized gifts that you could give people, or like have have like a secret team of of people who like get to know your attendees so well, so that they could surprise them with like a gift card to a local restaurant or mm-hmm. like you know their favorite candy bar, right, or something. Like those kind of personal touches are like it does blow their minds in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets back to what Nessa was saying about people feel having the need to be seen and heard and, and acknowledged and valued. And any way you can do that through the event that you're putting on is going to just level up your attendee experience exponentially. Um, okay. So you talked a little bit about how you got started in the event industry. Um, earlier uh, by volunteering, raising your hand. Um, As you've gone on now um, to pursue your freelance career, you've worked more events with larger organizations, all different kinds of events. What, What other nuggets of wisdom or advice do you have for someone who might be looking to start a career in the event industry? Um who maybe doesn't have any experience with that. Because I think a lot of us, I mean, when I started, I had no experience with events, with backstage production. I was learning it as I went. Um, I know the same was true with NASA. This was true with you. What uh, what can you share that might help people along their way? Yeah. I. Hmm, that's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's interesting because I don't know if, if both of you feel this way, and I'm curious to know. But, like, I've had a lot of random experiences in my life. Like, done a lot of random jobs, tried different careers and all these things. And I felt like I liked a lot of it. I liked certain aspects of them, but I also didn't. And so I was just like, man, what am I going to do with my life with these random experiences? And it was only at events where I felt like I was in kind of, like, that flow where I was like, whoa. Like, that random DJ job I did long ago. And, yes, Isaac, I used to, like kind of dj but i like did live recording i did nice. the, like live live sound um like you know like i was mad i was like a sound guy at one point you know or like just and i didn't know where that would come into play but like just understanding av stuff has been huge in the event industry like to just even know basic things about it um or just like putting on like lots of events for family and friends that i just loved seeing that happen you know no one like when you post things for your family or friends you're not like oh, maybe this will be a career or something. I didn't really think of it that way, but now I'm like, wow, I have so much experience. Like, all the little logistics that went on to putting those little events that, like, helped me now. So all that to say is that, like, I think if you are somebody out there who, like, 
enjoys this communal aspect of putting on an activity and it's not yeah it could be stressful but it's also like it's worth the stress if that's a feeling for you then you might be an event person um and if you can wear multiple hats if you can work in like those high stake environments and you might be an event person and you know just like working with people um and i think just like I think the best way to get in the industry is, like I said earlier, is just to attend events and to volunteer and to put your hand up. Even if you don't have any experience at all, that's a start. And as we all know, we all the three of us have run lots of events together. We always need volunteers and we always need someone to like help us with something, right? And what yeah. we love is someone who is taking the initiative and be like, hey, what do you need? How can I help? Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how often I love hearing that. Um, because I know that there's something that I just need an extra hand, if, even if it's moving. But if you're like a willing person to like dive in and like get to know things, um, I think that's that's huge to sort of start. Um, and then I think as you move on, I think you know like as, if this is something you really want to do, I think it's good to like learn some of the ins and outs of like running your own business because you know it's it like just becoming a freelancer, some of the technical things, taxes. Mm-hmm legal stuff. I mean, it's good to know that kind of thing. Um, because as you get further on and you actually start putting out requests for work, um, it's good to like know what a contract is and like how to make sure that you're covering yourself, but also the other person, um, setting good boundaries. And I don't know if the three of you had any stories, but, uh, I've learned how to make sure I invoice, um, you know, because right. (laughs) You don't yeah. get paid unless you invoice. And so I always tell my friends that who are like starting as freelance, I'm like, make sure you invoice. I know that sounds silly, but make sure you invoice though. Yes. Um, so little things like that. And then like think just finding a niche, right? I think one of the cool things again about events is that once you start learning what you like and don't like, you also specialize in certain areas. And again, I like the attendee experience. Not everybody likes to work with attendees directly. That's okay. Um, I've, I've worked with people who design sets and like total, like they, I went to a hotel, uh, conference recently and they totally took a blank space and turned it into like hotel rooms, like, like open air hotel rooms. And they had to create the vendors and get all the designs and all this stuff and make it happen. And I, when I walked in that room, I was like, how did you do this? You know, like, <laughs> and, and the same thing with like production or anything else that um, is involved in events. It's just, there's so many technical aspects and so many parts. So I think there's a place for all of us. Um, but I think the, the common thread is that like magical community being seen, um, you know, that collective experience. So I think that's, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit GetEventLab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's GetEventLab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities. Mm-hmm.